0: Hello, my name is Samuel George London, and welcome to Comics for the Apocalypse. On today's episode, I speak to comic book writer and marvellous man Milton Lawson about what comics he would take into the apocalypse. But before we get into it, I'd like to give a quick shout out to our sponsor, Comic Scene. An award-winning magazine, Comic Scene is available digitally and in print in the UK, Ireland, Australia, Canada and the good old USA at www.getmycomics.com forward slash comic scene. On a side note, from next week I'll be taking a four-week summer break and return on Monday the 7th of September. This is mainly down to me having a two-week holiday, but also this year has been, well, let's say challenging and uh, some downtime for a few weeks will help recharge my energy so that I can hit the ground running for the rest of the year. With that in mind, I just wanted to say thank you to everyone who listens to the show and gets in touch. It really honestly means a lot that people enjoy it and think that it positively contributes to the comics community. Speaking of which, if you enjoy the show, it would be greatly appreciated if you could review us on iTunes or whichever podcast service you use, as not only will it let me know that you liked it, but I believe that it helps make other people aware of the show as well. Now, without further ado, on with the show. Hello Milton Lawson, how's it going?
1: Hi there, I'm doing pretty good, thanks for having me on.
0: Absolute pleasure, Milton, um, and uh, it's, it's a real pleasure to make make your acquaintance through uh, our uh, mutual um, acquaintance, uh, Martin uh, B. Law Be- Law Becky. Um How do you know Martin, by the way?
1: I know Martin through a mutual collaborator. Martin has worked a number of times on projects with the writer Rick Quinn, and uh, that actually eventually developed into us all three collaborating on one short story called earworm um but I've, I've been a fan of his work ever since the first time i saw uh one of his collaborations with rick and i maintain contact with him and uh i'm always pleased to see the, the latest developments of what he's working on and hopefully we will get to a chance to work together again at some point in the future
0: I hope so. And um, yeah, let me know when, if it, if that does come to fruition, I'd love to see it. Absolutely. Thanks, man. Um, so uh, for those that haven't come across your work just yet, uh, what do you do in the world of comics?
1: Well, I'm a, I'm a comic writer based out of Houston, Texas, and I kind of seem to have so far two main gears that I go into. Uh, sometimes I do a lot of grounded, slice of life type of material, and then other times I do science fiction. Those s- tend to be my main areas of specialization.
0: Nice, man. And, and uh, on the sci- sci-fi nature of things, uh, you have an upcoming title. Uh, that's just about to be released.
1: Yes, I do. Um, I'm very excited to uh, share this with the world. It's been in the works for quite some time. Um, I have a title coming out soon, Thompson Heller Detective Interstellar. It's a (laughs) sci-fi slash noir private detective story about a private detective that roams the galaxy solving cases that usually have some sort of political or moral intrigue. And it's drawn by the amazing dave chisholm who is just going to dominate everybody's top 10 lists this year with a couple of books that he did
0: that's fantastic man um and who's who's publishing that sorry
1: that is published by source point press and comics experience publishing
0: great um and i assume it's going to be on uh, comics ology and, and hopefully available at your local comic book shop when um we get up and running again <laughs> I hope.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, at the moment, things are still a little bit shaky as far as yeah. when things are going to be in Diamond. But as far as I know, um, it will be in the August previews catalog and right. in comic shops, I believe, in sometime in October. Um, and I do have a website up um, that will track this if this changes. So uh, if you get a chance, just look at uh, com. And um, I'll I'll put updates there.
0: Perfect. And then where else can people find you online? Uh,
1: The easiest place is to find me on Twitter. I go under the handle Citizen Milton. uh, But I also have a website that just tracks everything, MiltonLawson.com.
0: Perfect. Nice and simple, Milton. Love it. Um, Now, everybody go go follow Milton and go check out his website whilst we're chatting. Um, But in the meantime, unfortunately, Milton, I've got some bad news for you. And that is what is that? There has been a development um, with coronavirus and COVID nineteen. It's actually turned out to be a zombie outbreak at the same time, unfortunately. Um, And the uh, epicenter of this is in Houston. So uh, apologies for that. (laughs) Um, But uh, my my first question for you is: What is your action plan for survival with this zombie outbreak?
1: My action plan for survival rest somewhat on the the notion that I hope that I have at least a tiny bit of a head start over my fellow Houstonians. Um, and I'm going to need to escape northward. Um, I happen to have a relative who has a ton of military experience in the state of Oklahoma. And my quote unquote strategy is to flee like a total coward and go <laughs> rush to my uncle's place in Oklahoma and hope that he can knock some sense into me and get, give me the strategic uh, tools I need to survive because on my own, I'm probably not going to.
0: <laughs> Fair play, man. Um, and that would just be a case of just uh, get, getting in a car and, and driving North.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm right now um, the city of Houston, the freeway system is a, a series of concentric, rings and i happen to live mm. real close to the uh, the westernmost point of the outermost ring so i'm hoping that with just 5 minutes lead time i can get on that and bypass the majority of of, of other folks that'll also be escaping
0: Nice man. It sounds like you've you've thought this pretty well through. So you've clearly got a strategic mind and a strategic family. Um, so uh, I think you're going to be safe getting to your uncles, wasn't it? It was your uncles.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: In Oklahoma, great. Um, and so when you arrive, he welcomes you with open arms, of course. Um, but uh, that evening, over dinner. Um, he he wonders kind of about your interest in comics and things like that, um, and he he wonders what the first comic you remember enjoying was.
1: I I'll tell him uh, a rather kind of obscure and unexpected answer, I think, uh, and that would be Amazing Spider-Man number one eighty-two. Um, that just happened to be. The first comic that I ever bought, it was on the stands in a convenience store. Um, And I had recently seen a Spider-Man cartoon for the first time. Um, And back then, comics were affordable. So I just Mm -hmm. grabbed it, bought it, and pretty much got hooked ever since.
0: That's awesome, man. Um, and, And what was it about that particular story that kind of stood out for you?
1: Well, that one has this really crazy, um, antagonist called, I think he's called the rocket racer and he's, he, he can like, he can ride up skyscrapers on these like, uh, rocket skates. And then he's, uh, just, you know, he seemed like, uh, someone who would be, um, an attainable villain, uh, in the, in the Spider-Man world. And what I mean by attainable is just at a very, very young age, I'm, I'm eight years old at this point. And there were, there were aspects of Spider-Man that were way more practical than all the other superheroes. Like I, I didn't know a lot of them, but I knew of Superman and, you know, Superman, the way he, he became, uh, able to do these amazing things is because he comes from another planet Spider-Man, it's kind of a combination of things. It's, you know, he has this freak accident where he's bit by this radioactive spider. You know, I can't arrange for that to happen at eight years old. But some (laughs) of the other things he did were due to his own ingenuity, like, you know, making the web fluid and being a scientist. And I thought, okay, maybe maybe there's maybe there's a path for, quote unquote, normal people to To get in this game, and then there's this rocket racer dude, and he just seems to have like a cool set of skates. So I start thinking, all right, you know, I can I can join this universe somehow.
0: That's awesome, man. And it's a really cool cover, by the way. Looking at it right now, so you got the rocket racer kind of punching Spider Man, and he's falling down this skyscraper, no, off this bridge, actually, isn't it? Um, Yeah, it has. has,
1: Yeah. Uh, A lot of like scale to it
0: yes it's very good because it's kind of it's an aerial view just above rocket racer and spider-man and then looking down on the bridge and then down onto the river um there and it's yeah great perspective and very eye-catching i'm sure for a young man (laughs) absolutely and at 35 cents that's pretty that's pretty good
1: (laughs) yeah can't beat that (laughs)
0: no absolutely not fantastic um and so that's where your love of comics stems from um but what was your trajectory as a comic fan from then
1: from then it was um i didn't really have a um a major uh preference between marvel and dc but i was i was reading a lot more marvel and i was it was really early on that I became aware of this concept that other people were making this because of the voice that Stan Lee and the other editors would put in the captions, um, the way they would constantly reference, Hey, if, if they referred to, you know, Hulk punching this dude and they tell you what issue number it was in, You know, that was one level of interaction, but there was also a bit of sense of humor about the bullpen and other things, giving everybody nicknames. And then in the back, there would occasionally be like Stan's soapbox or something like that. Um, And so it was probably the first time I ever kind of even learned the concept that, you know, there were people making these things, which, you know, at eight years old is kind of a mind blowing concept you just think superheroes are a thing when you're that age (laughs) um so that was um a key part of my life in the in my youngest days and then um it reached a new level in my early teens um titles like the dark knight returns and watchmen came out and that sort of shifted my perspective um also, um, the, the Spider-Man story, Craven's Last Hunt, was a big evolution. Um, and so what I thought was capable in comics shifted then. And then when Sandman came out in the early 90s, that, that totally blew my mind as far as what the capabilities were for the medium. Um, and ever since then, I've had some sort of desire to create comics but i didn't really get started until uh, around 2010 seriously i i dabbled with it here and there uh, throughout my life but i got most serious around 2010
0: excellent and and what title was that sorry uh
1: the first thing i did in 2010 was actually a short comic called winter sale and it's one of those grounded stories I was mentioning earlier um, about a record shop owner um, and what it's like to be a record shop owner at the advent of the dawn of digital music and the business struggles that came along with that and it's just sort of a small town kind of grounded story
0: Awesome, man. Um and then was that was that self-published or did you manage to get a publisher for that? Uh
1: that was self-published. And it was one of my first lessons in the weirdness of of the comics industry because it was intended to be in an anthology um but that it's one that just never materialized, so I ended up just publishing it myself. So that it was it was a it was a quick lesson in the chaos of of the independent publishing uh, realm
0: fantastic and uh, now that we're 10 years on i wonder what advice 2020 milton would give 2010 milton
1: i guess the the main advice i would give is um well i <laughs> There's a couple <laughs> of, uh, Hey, don't work with that person. Uh, warnings I would give myself, <laughs> what uh, <of> those, right? <laughs> but, but, uh, that's, that's not appropriate for public consumption there. So, uh, I think the main thing I would tell myself is, um, that the, uh, the journey isn't exactly like a stair step. It isn't like every step clearly and obviously, leads you towards your goal it's a very chaotic um like you know trek through a forest or something where there are routes that seem to take you backward and up and down and just all these like roller coaster like ups and downs uh but that if you keep stepping forward it's it's going to get you in the direction you want to go and you just have to not be um too frustrated by things that seem like major setbacks in, in the exact moment that they happen.
0: Excellent. Very good sage advice for any uh, aspiring uh, comic creators out there for sure. Um, So much appreciated. Uh, Now uh, going back to uh, your uncle uh, questioning you over dinner, uh, he moves on to ask, what's the funniest comic that you've read?
1: I would have to say that that would be sex castle, by kyle starks i don't know how familiar most people would be with this but it's a it's a short little graphic novel i think image put it out i'm not entirely sure there it was the image yeah yeah and it's essentially a uh a riff on the entire 80s action hero genre um and uh it hits all of those tropes uh, with endearing uh, commentary, and it's just full of hilarious one-liners and goofy stunts and weapons. It's just, it's just hysterical.
0: <laughs> totally, man. Um, this ha- this has come up a couple of times on the show, so I'm glad it's getting some more coverage. Um, but uh, yeah, the main the main character is Shane Sexcastle, Castle, which is such an '80s action star name isn't it it's like perfect <laughs> yeah <laughs> totally man um and uh no it's it's absolutely fantastic one. are there any particular moments that stand out for you from 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 that book
1: i think my favorite is just the first time he uses his signature weapon and if i remember correctly it's like a combination nunchuck and gun that's i think <laughs> it's called the gun chuck or something like that
0: yeah that rings a bell oh that's just that's the best because yeah the the front cover um of the uh, trade paperback is uh just like a waterfall of blood on him <laughs> and you know he's holding his nunchucks um and you know he's got an eye patch and long blonde hair and everything and like a square jaw and stuff it's just so uh so 80s action it's uh it's unreal brilliant choice Yeah. Uh, now uh changing gears uh the next question that comes up is what's the saddest comic that you've read
1: well this one is sort of a no contest sort of answer because i think yeah if if anyone has read this particular book it's just it's in a category onto its own and it's this tragic story called rosalie lightning and it's about a couple of Um, that lose a very, very young daughter. Um, and it deals with their grieving process, uh, with candor and honesty and just brutal honesty. Um, and it, if you read it, you'll, you'll be reading a comics masterpiece, but it's, it's going to kind of ruin your day and your week to be honest. It's just, (laughs) it's just so heart wrenching um uh, so yeah if if you really want to hit the emotions that's the book for you but just be prepared for it
0: yeah definitely this has come up a few times on the um on the show and i i'm, I'm building up the courage to to read it because i have a young daughter myself she's three years old so kind of this would be like you know i think i might wait until she's a little bit older before you know building up the courage to actually read it because it might it might not only be sad but it might be scary for me as well yeah yeah yeah. and uh,
1: yeah it just it yeah it completely is
0: yeah totally and um, i mean it's just incredible that um that tom hart the creator of the book and and you know it's obviously drawn from his own story him and his partner's story um that um they lost their their very young daughter i mean the the courage that this guy's got to have actually created a book out of it is uh is inspiring
1: yeah absolutely
0: yeah incredible um now uh moving on and changing gears once again uh, the next question that comes up is what's the scariest comic that you've read
1: I, I kind of have a couple of answers to this one. Um, and the first one I'm not even going to be able to pronounce it properly. Uh, there's a Japanese manga graphic novel called, I believe Nijigahara Holograph. And I don't necessarily think scary is the perfect adjective for it. Um, it, you know, it isn't the kind of thing that like, you know, when, when you're in a horror movie and there's that moment of silence and then the big surprising moment happens and everybody jumps in their seats. I think that's what a lot of us think of when they think of scary. Um, but this one is kind of more unnerving and weird. It's a, it's a story set in, uh, with some school age kids and, uh, there's a mysterious event, uh, that's very dark um and and happens to one of their peers and uh they have a role in 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 a tragic situation and it it lingers on all of these students remembering this horrible event um and it's the best way I can describe it it's almost like a David Lynch film, and it's kind of nonlinear and the horror element to it is kind of rendered by these beautiful butterfly images. Like there's these dreamlike qualities to it. So that, Mm. that weird juxtaposition of beautiful butterflies representing like some weird eerie and weird things. It just, it just creates, it, it puts you on edge throughout the whole story. Um, and, uh, it was just one of the most, weird and scary reading experiences i I ever had
0: yeah they 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 really know how to do it with manga i think and particularly kind of long form stuff don't they
1: yeah yeah and one other book that i would consider scary a little bit more traditionally uh was a book by scott snyder called severed um and the main thing i remember about that one is just being creeped out and there's this sense of tension throughout the whole thing like you're just you're just in fear of being cut up by this this evil person that you see glimpses of in the early parts of the story and just that tension mounts and mounts and mounts um and so that that one was pretty frightening as well
0: <laughs> yeah um that's another one I'm, I'm having to uh pluck up the courage to read as well because it like even the cover is horrifying (laughs) yeah yeah totally man that's awesome uh now um moving on to one of my favorite questions and that is what is your favorite cover
1: i have a hard time answering this question because there are so many beautiful covers out there and i think a lot of us uh resonate with that first glance you know uh mm. this is an iconic image sort of thing but i think my my answer is going to be iron man number 200 and that's not just the imagery but kind of what it represented um mm-hmm. that comic was the uh end of a long arc where tony stark was not iron man And he was dealing with his alcoholism and not in the suit for, I believe it was a couple of years. And his, his, his main right-hand man, Rhodey was in the costume for a couple of years. And that was a fascinating story um, during that time period. Um, And then Iron Man 200 kind of represents Stark's redemption. Like he finally gets his self together gets back in the suit and they debut this uh, new Iron Man armor. Uh, I think they call it the silver Centurion hmm. and he's fighting on the, on the cover. He's fighting stain uh, in this giant piece of armor. And that, that kind of visually represents almost the struggle he was having within over the last few years. So it it, it was this culmination of this long struggle and for Iron Man fans, you know we love Rhodey, and we want to continue to see Rhodey in action. But seeing Tony get back in the suit was just a whole lot of fun.
0: That's awesome, man! It's it's a it's a pretty cool um, image, the actual front cover. So you got Obadiah Stane um, in his Ironmonger suit um, behind Tony Stark in his Iron Man suit, um, and they're kind of clashing fists, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah, man, and just like a spark of uh, kind of you know a clash of the metals between them, and it's kind of I guess it's it's kind of like a David and Goliath story almost. It feels like like from the cover.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah, man. Um, so you know, it's just it's a really good representation. Of uh, of all of what you just said, that's uh, that, was a, that was a great summary of it all, Milton. <laughs> Bravo. <laughs> um, <laughs> now, uh, moving on to uh, another favorite question, and that is, what's the most meaningful comic to you?
1: This one's hard to answer because there are just so many of them. I could probably give you like five or six of them. Um, let me let me narrow it down to like two or three. But um, the the my first answer to this. Um, is the March trilogy about Congressman John Lewis, and we happen to be recording this just a couple of days after his passing. Um, I uh, I, I got that. to go to a couple. Yeah, I got to go to a couple of panels that he was at in San Diego Comic Con, um, and just being in the room with him is an inspiring moment. Uh, The man lived uh, such an incredible life and led uh, such an example for the country. Um, And to to see in detail in the trilogy of books, what he did as one of the key members of the civil rights era um, in leading the lunch counter protests in leading the freedom rides on the buses and then being one of the speakers, on the march on washington with martin luther king jr um it's just an amazing story and it's represented in comic format in just just the absolute pinnacle of capabilities of the medium so that's that's probably the most meaningful comic reading experience i've ever had
0: 100% man and that's um going to be going to the top of my uh, my reading list um so, uh thanks thanks for the recommendation. Um and uh how how big is is the actual run? Sorry.
1: It's it's three books. Um the first one is pretty brief. Um yeah. you could you could read the first one like in one sitting. Um the yeah. second and third one are a little bit denser and a little bit thicker. Um you know, the first one is probably like 110, 120 pages and then the next two are right. probably around 200 pages each so um it's yeah, it's very immersive and and enthralling, and, and just a really great series, yeah,
0: and just it just to to be clear with the for the listeners, it kind of charts um is it his journey, sorry, through the civil rights movement yes, yeah, precisely, um so that's uh that's an incredibly um insightful comic to read, um particularly in these times,
1: yeah. And then uh to kind of shift gears, uh I have a lot of other meaningful comics in the like genre realm. I I would say Transmetropolitan by Warren Ellis and Derek Robertson. Uh I'm a big cyberpunk fan. Um and I'm a big journalism fan. Uh so seeing a uh you know a Hunter S. Thompson type character in a cyberpunk universe is you know, it's almost as if it was written specifically for me. So, so I, <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I enjoy that and treasure it. Um, and then obviously, um, very soon after I read my first Spider-Man comic, I got my hand on some reprints. Um, and in the reprint is amazing fantasy number no. 15 that tells the origin story and the moral lesson at the heart of that. Um, made Peter Parker and Spider-Man something special compared to a lot of the other, uh, comic book heroes that I read when I was young. I didn't really know or could I, you know, identify with them as clearly as I could with Peter Parker. So, uh, that, that was a pretty meaningful comic as well.
0: Fantastic, man. And then do you, do you think that you, what life story did you, did you learn from that one? Do you think?
1: Well, it, I mean, it's a cliche answer, but the, the great power, great responsibility line uh, mm. really resonated and not necessarily the power and responsibility part, but the part where he lets the man go by mm. and doesn't take action when he has the opportunity, just that image of him yeah. being selfish and just letting this bad guy go by and just say, Hey man, it's not my problem. Um, yeah. And the wisdom of realizing what an error that is is a pretty yeah. haunting image and you know um i i i try to live by that philosophy whenever i can to try to be as helpful as i can
0: for sure man and it's it's amazing how many people that that story sticks with and kind of you know your your base foundation for morality is that, you know, if I don't do something good now, you know, if I don't put in the time and effort now, then something really bad could happen if I don't, you know, take action and, and be the good person I should be right now. Yeah. I mean, it is, it's all thanks to Spider-Man. Isn't that incredible? Yeah. Totally, man. That's fantastic. Um, so uh, moving on to our next question, uh, your uncle at the dinner table asks you, what's the most underrated comic?
1: I I have kind of a strange answer to this. I'm not I'm not sure it quite fits. It nece- it's not necessarily underrated as it is kind of overlooked and not well known, and that's this Japanese manga called Haikyuu. And it's a sports manga about a volleyball team. Mm-hmm. And that line of description probably turns off 95% of American readers, I would guess. Um <laughs> I I would just plead with them to give it a try, read, read the first volume. It's an amazing story about, uh, struggling to have an achievement. And I think that's a universal theme that we can all connect with, even if we don't care anything about sports. And I am a sports fan myself, but volleyball never made it on my radar as far as a major sport, and one of the strengths of this comic is it's it's kind of almost a primer, uh, not just on the rules of volleyball, but all kinds of intricate strategies and techniques um, and the sort of gamesmanship and the tactics between different teams and coaches and players, dynamics within the team. Um, and as a sports fan, I I could recognize a lot of those character dynamics throughout you know my life of of being a sports fan and um, i'm a little bit behind on it and apparently it just had its conclusion in japan Uh, so hopefully i'll be catching up on that soon but uh it's it's an epic story and it's just really immersive and fun
0: that's awesome man and it's so great that somebody can kind of take something as not so popular sport and uh, get people to engage with it you know yeah um it's it's really cool when when that happens that's fantastic man Um, and and obviously forge um uh, a sound story that has kind of yeah moral lessons within that and and the fact that you can recognize kind of as a sports fan you can still kind of reference back to your own sports that you know in terms of kind of yeah character dynamics and things yeah really cool man
1: I have to note that the protagonist in the story is a really short dude and I'm a really short dude. So that's also an attractive point there. Seeing a really short dude accomplish a lot in a sport that actually benefits from height, uh, is, is a pretty, pretty interesting, uh, and compelling storyline in and of itself.
0: Definitely. Um, it's, it's always good to kind of, yeah, give the underdogs a, uh, a good, uh, a good story for to help inspire people. So uh, good, good on them. Um, so I, I hope that the uh, that the ending um, satisfies uh, your uh, love for the story.
1: Fingers crossed.
0: <laughs> totally, man. Uh, now we come on to the most difficult question, and that is for you: what is the best comic of all time?
1: Yeah, thank you for no- mentioning that. The difficulty because there, there's so many so many contenders and it, it kind of comes down to how you choose to frame it versus some sort of objective criteria. Um, and for me, that's going to be Sandman. And I think part of the reason I would, uh, Linda choose that is just the comprehensiveness and the depth of the entire story, comparing that to like a one-off graphic novel, um, It's kind of an unfair comparison because the Sandman universe is so rich and filled with story after story after story with so many amazing characters from common everyday life experiences to strange and surreal experiences, scary things like the serial killer convention, uh, mythological things like the relationship uh, between dream and the woman that he ends up uh sending to hell uh the trip to hell itself um is is fantastic the the sort of christian mythology elements that come through um and the weird thing for me um there was a twitter thread this weekend that i answered um it asked the question, what was the first comic that ever made you cry? And, and Sandman was that for me, uh, when it all culminates in the kindly ones volume, uh, the moments toward the very end, uh, where dream meets his end, uh, where Matthew, the Raven comes to visit, uh, when his sister comes to visit those, those things were just wrenching emotional experiences, very cathartic, very sad, uh, and filled with all kinds of great quotes and epigrams. You can reread the series over and over again and get something new out of it every time. And the artwork is just beyond phenomenal. And the fact that they had so many different styles, so many different artists. Um, it's just such a rich text that uh, it rewards every time you pick it up. I, I just I just adore it. The entire world
0: that's awesome man and some uh, very good reasons to make it one of the best comics of all time 100 percent um and uh yeah as soon i'm gonna have to start tallying um how many uh votes you know the sandman has got how many times watchman has got it, and uh and whatnot and kind of do a do a top five best comics according to comics for the apocalypse or something <laughs> so that would be that would be interesting won't it um but uh yeah moving on to our to our last and final question in regards to comics uh, and that is if you could only take one comic into the apocalypse which would it be
1: i i interpreted this question in a way that like by saying one comic, I was debating like, okay, is this one floppy or is this one trade? How am I gonna? I'm mm. I'm not gonna cheat and take like all ten trades of Sandman because that <laughs> that seems like you know an, an encumbrance. Uh, you know, I'm trying to flee these zombies or some other apocalyptic element, so it needs to be compact. Yeah. Um And so, um, I think I would take All Star Superman because I think I would need inspirational hope and that story is filled with inspirational hope. Um, it's, it's filled with escapism. Um, it's filled with crazy Grant Morrison ideas. Um, it's not perfect. There's maybe one chapter that I'm not the biggest fan of. Um, but, overall is such a satisfying experience and it deals with the mortality of a character that seems immortal. Um, so when, when I'm trying to survive in the apocalypse uh, you know, finding inspiration and seeing that even Superman has tough days to deal with, I think that would be, that would be the story that would best fit me for the apocalypse.
0: That's a perfect choice, man. Um, Cause yeah, if there's going to be dark days ahead, um, yeah, you need to kind of, yeah, <laughs> hopefully be Superman and, you know, hope for the future. Yes. 100%. Um, and then alongside your, uh, your copy of all-star Superman, what weapon tool or useful item would you like to take with you as well?
1: I think I'm going to choose to take a machete and that's probably not the most strategic option in a zombie apocalypse. Um, like I said, at the beginning, I'm going to rely on my uncle to make all of the best choices in that vicinity. (laughs) But, um, my mind thinks of a machete for a couple of reasons. Uh, first is, uh, just the utility of it from Jason Voorhees from the Friday, the 13th series. Uh, he managed to get a lot of damage done with that weapon. Um, and this is kind of an unexpected shift here. Um, When I was young, someone tried to kill me with a machete Um, and (laughs) I would like to. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Uh, I would like to turn that weapon around in my head, like as 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 opposed to it being something to fear. I I, want to turn the tables and empower myself with it and 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 adopt it as my weapon. So that's that's my choice.
0: Good for you, man. That's awesome. Um, So, no, yeah, we can absolutely supply you with a a copy of All-Star Superman alongside a machete. Um, I'd I'd love to see that image. (laughs) You you holding up a a machete and a copy of All-Star Superman. That would be great. Um, But uh, Milton Lawson, thank you so much for sharing your comics with the apocalypse. It's been an absolute pleasure.
1: Thank you so much. I've had a lot of fun.
0: Thanks, man. Uh, and for the listeners, one more time, where can they find you online?
1: The best place to find me is on Twitter, uh, at Citizen Milton, or at one of the websites, either MiltonLawson.com or ThompsonHeller.com
0: perfect and of course those links are in the show notes so folks feel free to go click through uh and be sure to check out milton's uh latest comic uh thompson heller inter- interstellar uh, detective interstellar sorry <laughs>
1: <laughs> thank you man thank you so much
0: oh uh, absolute pleasure um and uh as always milton i'll see you on twitter
1: all right thank you so much
0: take care man bye bye Thanks again to Milton for being on Comics for the Apocalypse. It was an absolute pleasure. If you enjoyed the show today, please leave a review for us on iTunes or whichever podcast service you use, as not only will it let me know that you liked it, but I believe that it helps make other people aware of the show as well. If you'd like to check out Milton's work or follow him on social media, those links are in the show notes, along with all of our own links to the various areas of the internet. Speaking of which, if you haven't already, be sure to visit Comic Scene Magazine's website at comicscene.org for comic news and other fun sequential art stuff. And finally, as long as the apocalypse doesn't come to pass in the next four weeks, I'll see you on Monday the 7th of September. Take care, stay safe, and bye for now.